Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hello and welcome. Well, Easter is notorious for raising sugar content, leaving our children's bodies dealing with the side effects long after our celebrations have ended. Sugar rushes, headaches, mood swings are just some of the adverse after effects kids have um, from overindulging chocolate, eggs and treats. And let's face it, that's not fun for anyone. Now, we've all experienced the highs and lows, the tears and the tantrums that is a byproduct of too much chocolate in a short period of time. So to help us understand how we can try to avoid this and enjoy a healthy Easter this year, we welcome our special guest, leading dietitian Susie Burrell. Now, Susie is a qualified dietitian with a master's in coaching psychology, and today, Susie is going to share her expert advice, how we can celebrate Easter in a balanced way whilst not overdoing the sugar. Thanks for joining us, Susie. How are you? I'm good, Rach. It's so lovely to be here and we're all on the countdown, I think, to the holidays, aren't we? So (laughs) bring it on, bring it on. (laughs) And welcome back, of course. You were our very first podcast and interview guest for this year, so it's lovely to be chatting with you again. And, you know, Easter is a really wonderful celebration um, for all the family, but it's totally commonsensical and plausible to believe that our bodies and most importantly, our children's little bodies are not built to consume a large amount of chocolate and sugar within a short period of time. And fair to say it's not without its side effects. Like what are your thoughts? I think that the issue in today's society is we don't get one bunny like we once got. They literally have mountains of chocolate. They're given treats at school to mark the end of the the term. Then, of course, if you go to the Easter show, you also have the influx of all the contents of show bags. There's family celebrations. So there's desserts and treats and pancakes and hot cross buns. So it's just way too much in a short period of time. And specifically when it comes to chocolate, you know, the issue is that, yes, it's extremely high in sugar. You know, the average Easter egg will contain between nine and 10 grams or about two teaspoons of sugar. And the upper recommended intake of added sugar in our diet for children is no more than 25 grams. So just a couple of sort of medium-sized Easter eggs, and they've already blown that out. So you can imagine that in the case of small bodies, that sugar overload just makes them, you know, huge amounts of energy, but also energy fluctuations. People can be more sensitive to sugar, so it can impact mood and irritability. And as is the case for adults, the more of that sweet substance that you have, the more you want. So they have a little bit and they get a taste for it and it really drives that behavior and of course that's more pronounced in small children who you know are are not used to having that much concentrated energy in one hit so it is a really challenging time for parents and I guess the whole thing is that Easter is an Easter without chocolate Um, and I think it's the only day of the year that it's widely acceptable to eat chocolate for breakfast now do you agree or am I definitely asking the wrong audience the wrong person (laughs) 
No, absolutely not. As I'm a parent. I'm a very practical dietitian. I'm not saying don't eat chocolate. What I'm saying is look at it as a one-off day and try and limit Easter to Easter itself. And if you can, try not to over-purchase to ridiculous amounts. You know, buy eggs that are the right size for the child. The smaller the child, the smaller the eggs. They don't need multiple yeah. serves of it. Perhaps complement what you're giving them with a toy or a book, pyjamas, something to go with it. And then keep in mind that if it's in the house, everyone will eat it. So try and limit the amount that is in that house on that one day. Let everyone enjoy it. Because the other issue, of course, Rach, is if you over-regulate it, it tends to work in reverse. If the kids feel deprived, that's when they tend to be more obsessed with it and want it more yeah. and seeking it out. And these are the kids who aren't allowed sweet treats and they go to the birthday parties and don't leave the lolly table. So in an ideal situation, you want kids to be able to regulate their own intake to a certain certain amount. So for example, if you have an Easter egg hunt at your home and you give the kids their bucket, encourage them to regulate and say, how many, can you have some now, let's put it away and so they feel like empowered to drive that. Whereas if as a parent you come in and say, you can't have it, I'm putting it away, you know, that's when they're more likely to be climbing the walls of the cupboards to steal it when you're not looking. So I would really encourage parents to involve children in that process because if they have that um, that involvement, they're actually less likely to overconsume it themselves yes. because naturally their bodies will get to a stage where they're like, oh, I've had a- enough. It's when they feel deprived that we tend to have more problems. Yes, definitely. So is the key about finding balance then, do you think? A hundred percent. So on that Easter day, for example, you know, make sure they're having their nutritious breakfast, you know, as well as their eggs. So they might have one or two eggs with their breakfast, but you're still filling them on some nutritious food. If you can, and you've got time, you can make some healthier versions of treats. I just saw online actually, and I'm going to look for these today. I saw these amazing Easter molds and what people had done was filled them with 100% peanut butter. And I'm an ambassador for Mavers, which is a 100% no added sugar peanut butter. So you could do it with that. So they put it in and then they coated the top with a, a dark chocolate and you could do it with milk or white chocolate. So it created like this Easter treat that was like a, a chocolate, but it was like a frozen peanut butter chocolate. So you're still getting the hit and you're still getting the fun aspect. And if kids were involved in making that, I guarantee they would love it. But it's also got some nutrition going into it because, of course, the issue with Easter eggs or the contents of Easter show bags is there's not a lot of nutrition going in with it. So if you can kind of healthify it a little bit too, that is another strategy to get some decent nutrients into them when they are also having quite a lot of sugar. So if the destination is a healthier Easter, then I guess we need to head in the right direction to achieve it and to be able to have that lens and that understanding of finding that balance, as you just said. Um, it's not just a blowout for that four-day weekend, long weekend. It's about sort of understanding, okay, let's sort of have some balance here. So um, that being said, you know, it's, it's I guess, we, we are to mix treats with healthy alternatives. That's what you're saying. Is that right? I'm saying don't over-purchase for a start because as adults, we're very guilty of expecting kids not to eat the foods we're buying. Yeah. So if you your house is packed full of chocolate and then you're expecting the kids not to eat it, that's really unfair. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, don't overbuy. Or if there is a lot, just sil- quietly put it away, you know, because then you have a little bit of control over rationing it. Um, another trick that I love to do when you've got a lot in the house is to melt some of it down and do like a fondue with some fruit. 
So this is another great trick. If there's quite a lot of chocolate in the home, and particularly if you're entertaining, and kids love to do this, yeah. melt it down, cut up some beautiful fresh fruit. You could even mix something like a peanut butter in through the chocolate to give it more nutrition and more protein. And then get some skewers for the kids, and they can do the dipping. They'll consume less overall. Because, of course, when you melt it, it sort of sticks to the side of the pan and, you know, you don't get sort of that that concentrated bulk you would get if you were eating the entire yeah. egg. Good and idea. so that's another strategy. You know, I'm a bit naughty. I tend to re-gift a little bit. Not everyone agrees with that strategy. But, you know, the biggest thing for nutrition in general is if it's there in the home, you will eat it. So if the goal is to reduce amounts, it's about getting rid of it quickly yeah. within reason and obviously letting the kids still indulge and have a treat. And as I said, I think buy eggs the right size for the child. A small four-year-old does not need a giant bunny. A small four-year-old should have a four-year-old size bunny and then a lot of your problem is solved. Yeah, great advice. Great advice. I never thought about that. I guess we always just think about sort of giving as much as we, we can and that's our way of showing love and affection. But it's, and of course, there are a whole heap of different, um, you know, chocolate-free gift ideas, as you mentioned earlier on. And, and we've got now our, our Kittypedia store as well, which um, sort of lists a whole heap of different options as well, where you can find that balance to be able to give some chocolate, but also balance that up with some gifts, as you mentioned earlier on as well. Now, that said, we actually published your article also, which I'd love to be able just to, to discuss briefly. Uh, the title of that is Tips for a Healthy Easter. Now, for someone who hasn't read your article yet, can you please tell us what it's about and, of course, what inspired you to write it? I think, well, I think Easter is my favourite time of year and we definitely don't want to take away from the joy that is celebrating with family and, and some sweet treats. You know, that's what life's about, enjoying those special occasions. So I've written this with the goal of getting a little bit of balance but also some little strategies that might help to reduce the overall chocolate and sugar intake without anyone in the family really noticing. So a few little tricks that you can do. You know, kids and particularly small kids under the age of eight, they are not necessarily obsessed with the treat. They're obsessed with the time spent with the parent enjoying themselves. So if you can get into the kitchen over Easter and make some healthier breakfast pancakes on Easter day or perhaps a loaf cake to enjoy with the family, you know, you could even do some Easter egg painting where you blow out the eggs and do some painting or make some Easter chocolates using something like a nut spread to get some more nutrition in there. You know, that's going to be just as powerful as buying them a lot of extra gifts. So that that can work really, really well because it's the family time they like more than anything. And, and you know that from, you know, when we finally sit down with them, that they don't actually care what they do. It's just having that time, time with us. But we're very keen to give them stuff. And that's where the, the over-gifting of chocolate comes into it. Um, I think the other trick with the eggs, we've mentioned buying eggs that are smaller for smaller children, but also keep in mind that those small solid eggs are a problem because they're so easy to eat and just three of those little yeah. solid eggs has got, you know, almost about 100 calories per three. Like it's very easy to eat a whole packet of those without even noticing. So for little kids and what I do with my own kids, particularly for the Easter egg hunt, I get those little ones that are hollow because you get less chocolate overall, but they look mm. bigger. So that, I think hollow eggs are going to be better if one of the goals is to control the chocolate. The other trick with small children in particular is they love the eggs that are filled with lollies. So if you buy that egg, so that Humpty Dumpty egg, or I think there's a Smarty one. My favourite. That's they, my favourite. Yes. And this might not be good for the parents. It might only benefit the children. But that my kids and a lot of kids, they'll only eat the lollies. They're actually not interested in the chocolate. 
So they'll snap, they'll get their bowl and they'll snap open and they'll eat all the coloured things and then they don't eat the chocolate because that chocolate's not, unless they're a real chocoholic, they often leave it. So that's another little trick that works really well too. If you get a sort of tr- a kid-friendly egg that's got something in it, they very quickly lose interest in the chocolate. It falls into that un- I- um, un- unpackaging un- um, fad that's been in the last few years with with kids' toys and that sort of stuff as well. They, they just want to find out what's inside. and that, that's the- Oh, true. Surprise. Of course, I forgot about that. Yes, they love that. So that's a really smart way of doing it too because you're shifting the focus from the chocolate onto something else yep. without actually limiting the chocolate. They'll naturally do that. Yep. 100%. And the good thing about Kinder this year is they do have quite a few, I'm not sponsored by Kinder, but they do have quite a, a lot of small eggs that are appropriate for children, I've noticed, smaller bunnies, smaller eggs. So that, yeah. that's really good to have those options. Um, I think when you do the Easter egg hunt, let them have some control over it and then put it away because in more cases than not, they forget about it very, very quickly, particularly small kids. So that's also another really good option. Um I think the other thing is as setting up the meals. So making sure they're having the decent breakfast, something decent for lunch that's got some bulk in it and some fullness because otherwise they'll just over-D on the chocolate all day. So definitely sort of give them some control over how many they're having but limit how often they have access to that bulk supply of chocolate. Um, and my trick is, you know, at the end of the Easter weekend or at the end of the Sunday, you know, get it together and melt it. If you've got an extended weekend, melt it down into a fondue and you get rid of it in a really quick period yeah, of time. Yeah. And, yeah. Um, yeah, it will melt really well with the, the Mavis Smooth peanut butter, which is very runny because it's got some of the natural oils found in the nuts through it. It'll make the chocolate thinner. It will add protein to it. The kids will love it. And straight away you'll get rid of a lot of your issue with, with too much chocolate in the house, which inevitably well. someone will eat, even if it's not the kids, yes. And you were referencing earlier about the um, the RDI as well. So, I mean, how easy is it, I guess, for children to exceed um, daily sugars uh, and the, the, the RDI intake around Easter? And, and what is, I guess, the sugar RDI for adults and children as well? I'd love to know. Yeah, and this is really interesting because Australian kids go way over it every day. So that the, really? there's not a recommended minimum intake because we don't need it. But an upper intake of added sugars. Now, this is different to naturally occurring sugars like fructose and lactose in dairy and in fruit. I'm talking about added sugar found in food. So when you look at a tomato sauce bottle or if you look at a cereal packet, it says sugar on it. And and you're starting to see a bit more now, Rach, people labelling for added sugars, and that's what we're looking at. Now, for children, and I would say children under the age of 10, and this is based on a US recommendation from WHO, but it's it's a general one we can all uh, conform to. Yep. They recommend less than 25 grams of added sugars, which is the equivalent of about six teaspoons, which sounds like a lot. Like you wouldn't sit there and have six teaspoons, but it's really easy to get that because our kids have a lot of snack food, they have a lot of processed cereal, they have a lot of treats. We're very guilty as parents for giving them treats. Now, if they have a muffin out or a banana bread out, they will instantly get that. Instantly. You know, I was looking at some muffins in a super, not muffins, cupcakes in a supermarket the other day. And they were the cupcakes, which they're not massive, but they've got like quite a thick chocolate or strawberry icing on them. And I want to say those cupcakes had something like 30 plus grams of sugar per cupcake. Because it was enough for me, like, and I'm pretty liberal with my kids. They're pretty active. They're quite young. I give them, you know, a finger bun after school or whatever. It it was enough for me to go, well, that is way too much. And the same was with the chopped chip cookies that you find in supermarkets in the fresh bakery section. They've got like 25, 30 grams of sugars and that's not natural. This is added. So one of our problems, and particularly even when it comes to holidays, is that they're already used to having these treats. 
They're used to going to the shop and having a milkshake. They're used to going and having a banana bread. Then on top of that, they have all this extra coming from the Easter egg. So just a couple of of medium-sized eggs will instantly give them about 20 grams of sugars. So the other thing for us to be aware of is to put a bit of a limit on those other treats that we're giving them when we go to the shop. So things like the smoothies, the milkshakes, the juices, the banana breads, the muffins, the donuts, those foods that they're used to having, put a bit of a lid on those over this period of time. And if you're that way inclined and have got time at home, remember you can make a very healthy banana bread. You can make a much lower sugar muffin at home with recipes and using key ingredients like a wholemeal flour, a nut spread like Mavis instead of butter. You even can use sugar replacements now. And there's a couple of new brands in supermarkets that have what we call a baking blend. It's coming from like monk fruit, but it's similar to stevia, but bakes better. And you can literally substitute any added sugar in your own banana bread for a very sweet tasting loaf um, for a fraction of the sugar if you made it or bought it out of the home. So if, you, if you're keen, I can send you one of those recipes to also pop on the website because I think yep. people would be really interested in that. Those lower sugar baked products is a great way to get through the holidays with lowering their sugar intake from those foods, knowing they're going to indulge a little bit in, in Easter treats. And you just mentioning before about the sugar content that a typical Easter egg contains. So what what were the size of those Easter eggs? Just to, to briefly just touch on those again. Yeah. So if you were to have three or four of the little mini solids, that's going to give you about 10 grams of sugar. It's about two of the more medium-sized ones. And then if you're looking at big bunnies, you know, they've got 30, 40 grams of sugar straight away. So they're pretty, pretty concentrated. Yeah. So what are the impacts? So that's then? sort of double. Oh. It's incredible how quickly you can sort of just exceed it uh, and then wonder why there's tears and tantrums and all of those mood swings and stuff we're talking about before. <laughs> um, so, so, I mean, what are the impacts then of exceeding um, sugar sort of RDIs and that sort of stuff? You know, as a one-off, there's no issue. But the issue is that the more they have, the more they want. So they get used to having more and more of that sweet food in their diet. And we know there's quite a strong programming effect, both for children and adults. So basically, the less added sugar we have in the diet, the better it is for our health and nutrition. So it's not something you want to reach. It's something you want to minimize and really isolate those special days, which might be Good Friday and it might be Easter Sunday, but it doesn't need to be, like you said, the entire four-day period or the entire two and a half weeks of school holidays. Yeah. It's really about trying to minimize it on the other days and keep them as active as possible because that's the other trick, actually, we haven't mentioned. Use Easter as a time to be as active as possible, knowing that they're fueled to the max with extra sugars. This is a great time to go on a family walk, have a family game of cricket in the backyard. If the weather is great, take them down to the beach. Get them as out and active and running as much as you can, and that will help to, to regulate their glucose levels so you are less likely to have the down downside that comes with the sh- drop in sugars when we've had a lot and we're sort of sitting around feeling tired and lethargic. So that's another really important trick for parents to remember. Keep them as active as possible. And as you were just saying earlier, it really is just about creating those moments, and that's all the kids want at the end of the day is just to have that time and um, that that attention and that love and devotion from you. Um, in addition to, to you know what you usually spend with them, the, the, the Easter holidays are special, and of course, um, the opportunity to be able to spend that time. And you mentioned earlier about the benefits of making your own Easter treats as well, so that is a great opportunity to be able to to create those moments. Um, and I think um, from memory, maybe have actually got a heap of different recipes of uh, the children obviously they don't have nut um, allergens um but uh with that i mean is aside from that i mean is there any other benefits of making your own easter treats at all do you think 
Well, they tend to be a bit healthier because you can control how much sugar, you can control the type of chocolate. You know, there are some sugar-free chocolates, but I would be hesitant to recommend those because they won't mix well. The thing with chocolate is that it needs the sugar and fat to melt and, and taste the same in baked goods. So yeah. that won't melt that sort of no sugar chocolate. So I would say you're better to use less chocolate um, in the ones you're making at home. And again, look for child-friendly size treats. So you can get little chocolates or you can get big ones. Choose the small ones for the little kids. We've got an amazing banana bread that's made with some Mavis peanut butter. So it's got more protein. It's got more good fat. So there's ways to jam-pack that in. And as, as we said, it's about that spending the time. But, you know, kids are humans like us. If we leave a massive bowl of Easter eggs in the middle of the table, Kids who uh, have a sweet tooth will keep eating them. So that's the other thing. Keep the treats a little bit out of sight and out of mind. Yeah. Um, because then they won't just default to it. And and if you know you've got a child who's less likely to regulate well, putting it away is, is a good move. And then I think it's probably quite timely to talk about the Easter show because there's various shows around and, and that is a problem for two reasons. One, there tends to be a huge number of, of packed full show bags full of huge amounts of chocolate and lollies. And the second is when you go to the Easter show, the food really is an amazing quality. Like if you're buying healthy stuff, it's really expensive. It's hard to get. So the, the couple of tricks there are always pack some food to take to the show, some sandwiches, some wraps. And you might complement that with a treat, you know, some hot chips or something through the day. But at least the base of the food is healthy for them. Stay off the soft drink because that's got like 35 plus grams or seven teaspoons of sugar per can. So lemonade, lemon drink, orange drink, keep well away for kids. It's really not appropriate. Um, and then just put a limit on the food show bags. So, you know, you might say one or two for older kids and then allow them to choose one of the in, the things in the show bag each day rather than, again, giving them free reign. Or you might give them free reign for a day but then take control. So, But limiting yeah. the total number of food show bags will go a long way in, again, regulating the amount that they're exposed to. Great advice. And, I mean, aside from that, what um, other alternatives to chocolate can be enjoyed during sort of the Easter break? Tell us a little bit um, about your hot cross bun protein balls. I know that the the article that we've published for you has actually got a few different recipe suggestions, but I'd love to um, know about these. They sound great and very yummy. There's, yeah, there's lots of different ways you can do it because kids, again, are liking cute food. So if you dress up, you know, a, a protein ball that can be based around some nut spread, um, some matched up nuts, perhaps a little bit of dates, some berries, put rolled in coconut. Um, if you put some rabbit ears and things on them, the kids will be just as happy. So it's about making them a little bit cute. We've got some great little hot cross buns. We've got some um, loaves in there for Easter treats. As I said, there's you can do the peanut butter and melt it with some chocolate and make either a, a ball that you put in the freezer or make individual chocolates. And on the Mavers website, they have got tons and tons of sweet but healthier versions of treats that you can easily convert into Easter treats. Um, you know, just it's particularly if you're keen to get in the kitchen or the kids are keen to have that hands-on approach. Yeah. And if you can't do Easter without chocolate, I actually, I understand that dark chocolate can serve as a, as a healthier option as well. Is that right? It's a, it's a little bit healthier. It's got more antioxidants, but it's not overly lower in sugar or fat. So that's important to know. It does contain more caffeine, and I think people don't talk very much about that. Mm. So milk chocolate's, milk chocolate's got a bit more sugar, and it's naturally sweeter, so it's harder to stop eating. So people tend to regulate themselves better with dark chocolate, yes. 
but it does have a bit more caffeine and I think that's potentially an issue for small children. So just be mindful of that. If, if you have, you know, a few squares of dark chocolate before you go to bed and notice you sort of can't sleep, it could be the caffeine it contains. But admittedly, if I was sort of melting down the chocolate as we talked about, I probably would mix a bit of dark with it. So that's another way of doing it. You can blend them so it's not as rich for smaller kids, but then you're getting a bit more antioxidants and more of a bitter taste that's harder to overeat because the issue with milky chocolate and white chocolate is that it's so sweet that unless you're sensitive to sugar, you will be able to really keep eating it and that can be a problem when you're trying to control those cravings. Yeah, and you've mentioned a few times during the chat um, about mixing peanut butter into homemade treats um, and, and all of the different options over the Easter break and, of course, not just over the Easter break but right throughout the year, of course. But you know, what, what are the benefits of, of doing that overall from a health perspective? Well, when you look at chocolate nutritionally, it doesn't have a lot of hugely positive attributes. It's really high in saturated fat coming from vegetable oil or milk. Um, you're getting a lot of added sugar to it. Like there's not a lot of positive nutrition. You're not getting any protein or fiber. So when you combine that with a whole food like an 100% nut spread, and there's a whole range out there. Yes, peanut butter works particularly well with chocolate, but you might be an almond butter person and, and they absolutely will work well too. The benefit of, of doing that is suddenly you add a lot of nutrition in. So you're adding some extra dietary fiber. You're adding the good fats, not just the, the processed fats found in chocolate or commercial chocolate. Um, you're adding in some protein. So you're creating a, a, a treat that's also got some other nutrients that will help to keep you fuller for longer after eating. And it will take the edge off that sweetness. So you're not getting such an intense sweet hit. So it's easier to regulate your intake. You won't feel that need to keep eating as much because it's more of a complete food. Yep. And what about the families um, that have children with, with nut allergens uh, as well? And in particular for, to, to peanuts, do you have any other suggestions um, as an alternative maybe? There are actually a couple now of spreads that aren't nut-based. Now, I haven't cooked with them myself, so I have I can't say whether they'll melt down as well, but it is worth seeking out in the supermarket. There was, there's one called not, not So Nuts or something like that. So there are a couple of options. Not So Nutsy, I think, yeah. Uh, yeah, um, out there. And, and like we said, it's not about avoiding completely. It's about consuming in a controlled amount. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it's going to be a little bit more tricky. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head what might give you that same consistency. Um, probably not in a melted variety, but the only thing I can think of is that you can use sometimes avocado or even you can use like banana or frozen fruit to create almost like an ice, a healthier ice cream. So you could get like banana and you could do it, like dip it in some melted chocolate and then freeze it and then it's like a banana ice cream. That would work quite well. Yeah. Um, or they, with the avocado, you can do like an avocado mousse using the chocolate as well. Um, so there's a couple of little tricks for those people who do have nut issues, 100%. But I'm, it's probably safe to say if they've got severe nut allergy, they're probably not having a lot of commercial chocolate anyway because it's hard to get a nut-free chocolate that's certified. So yeah. they'll be also probably aware of some of the, the better chocolates to have to make sure they're safe for any allergies in the household. Well, this has been a really helpful and fun chat today. I guess if you were to summarise, I guess, any of your key messages for anyone watching and listening, what would they be? <laughs> I think just put enjoy Easter and, and the treats, but buy age-appropriate treats and don't overbuy because everyone will eat it. So one egg, one bunny, maybe one Easter egg hunt, enjoy Easter for the day that it is, and then clear out the house of those treats. 
Um, involve the kids where you can, you know, involve them in regulating their treats if they've got them or do some healthier Easter baking or cooking at home to get them involved. And probably the third and most important is actually keep them as active as possible because if they're out running, not only are they not in the house so they're less likely to be overeating, but they're going to burn off some of that sugar that inevitably they're going to have because it is Easter and allowed to be celebrated. (laughs) And if Easter, Rach, was one day, we'd have no issue. But Easter becomes a four-day event of eating, then often the school holidays as well, and that's when we run into trouble. So it's just putting a cap on the actual celebration and the overeating of chocolate and limiting that just to the one day. Yes. Great advice. Thank you again for your time today, Susie. It's great to catch up. and we'll have It's all always of- so nice to chat. Yes. <laughs> and we'll have all of those links in the show notes and um, look forward to another chat in the not-too-distant future. But in the meantime, happy Easter and have a, a great sort of four days and, of course, enjoy the school holidays too. Take care. Thank you. And you, Rach. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. I'm Rachel Monteleone, and you've been listening to Kittypedia, the podcast. You can have full access to Kittypedia by visiting our website at kittypedia.com.au or following us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and YouTube. We're all here to help make the world a better place for our children and for generations to come. You can start today by helping us reach other parents by going to Apple Podcast, subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. Thank you for listening and be sure to give my love to the kids.